Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Welcome to See Uncovered. I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast, Kirsten Jordan, one of the top real estate agents in Manhattan and star of Million Dollar Listing New York. Thank you so much for being on, Kirsten. We're so excited to have you. I wanted to start with the beginning of your journey. Can you share how you got started in residential real estate? I got started in residential real estate when I had just come back from living in Italy. Um, I lived there for a couple of years and decided to return to the US and I had been in sales while I was living abroad. So I thought because I was in sales that I could try selling something different that was a bigger picker, bigger ticket product. And so my stepfather suggested that I get into real estate. So I started on the team um, with no salary as a, you know, just a regular agent and just started trying to figure out the business. And that was in 2008. And that was in Italy, you said? Um, I came back from Italy to New York and, mm-hmm. and moved to New York City. And so that was in 2008. So I, I started right before the, the complete crash of the market. What sparked your passion for real estate? What sparked my passion for real estate was honestly just the fact that it was flexible and the fact that it was something that was a sales position, which had the potential for, you know, kind of limitless possibilities um, I don't have a real passion for real estate per se. I would, I, I have a passion for working with people, problem solving, um, finding creative solutions. I do love sales. I love the thrill of the deal. Um, and so that's kind of what has kept me going. I would say I definitely got into it because it was sales, not because of the fact that it was real estate related. What is the process for someone young who wants to get into real estate um, in becoming a real estate agent? The process is... I mean, when you're young or you're old, you you still have to get your license. So, you know, you get your real estate license. And from there, you know, you, you try to find a place to hang your license and where you're going to learn and where you're going to be able to start immediately to get, you know, to get people to buy, you know, or to sell with you. So, you know, for me, that involved starting on a team where people were already producing and they'd already been, you know, at the company for a while. And so that's kind of like how I got my start. And I was running around for them and, and trying to figure out the business, you know, as a, kind of a junior agent. Do you stay in touch with buyers after you close the deal? Yeah. In general, I stay in touch with my clients. I, you know, I do the best I can to just, you know, keep, keep consistent touch points with everybody that I know um, that has ever bought or sold with me because, you know, that's what I've found with that is that's really how you get the future of the business. You know, one transaction is one off transaction. This is a relationship business. And so it's really important to keep in touch with clients after closing. So I want to lead into million dollar listing. You are the first woman to lead the show in nine seasons. What does that mean to you? I mean, I, I think, you know, the fact that I was the first woman is probably, you know, something that is important to everybody because, you know, there's it'd been a long time and there hadn't been a woman. So there, you know, it was, the, it was eight seasons of, of, of them not being able to find a woman that they were able to continue with and actually have as a cast member. So, you know, I don't, I never thought about it when I was 
you know, when I was filming, I never thought about it as being it being so different being a, a, a woman than a, than my male counterparts on the show, like the other male cast members. But um, I, I think what was what was probably the most different is that you know there's so many different layers to a woman's life than to a man's life, um, just from you know when you're living in a gendered world, which I you know in real estate it kind of still is, and so I you know, I have three kids. I, I'm, I'm married. I have a husband. I've, you know, stuck it out in this industry for the last 13 years in spite of, you know, having one child after another pretty quickly. And I, I, you know, because of the fact that I'm a woman, I probably had to put in place different infrastructure than my other counterparts had to put into place. You know, I have to have different kind of levels of childcare. I, um, I also need like different hair, makeup and wardrobe, you know, than they do. And so there's a lot more layers to it. And then in addition to that, there's the question of like, is being a woman different um, for any other reason? And I don't feel like it is so much, but of course, you know, there, I've got a lot of questions in all of the press that I've done about, you know, you know, whether it, you know, my husband's a real estate developer and like, am I a good broker because of the fact that my husband's a developer or, you know, what's it like being a woman? And it's kind of like, these are questions that no man would ever get, yeah. you know, like nobody, no man's ever going to get the question of like, how does it feel to be the first man <laughs> doing something? Nobody asks that, yeah. but if you're the first woman, it's a thing, right? I guess, I guess the better answer is kind of like, I wish it wasn't something that was a thing. I wish it wasn't something that, you know, we had to make a big deal out of because it'd be great if it wasn't different, but it is different and it's harder. And um, I still have to push back on the narrative or like push back on the stereotype that because of the fact that my husband's in the business that somehow he gave business to me and it didn't go the other way. As a viewer, it's amazing to see a woman um, on the show and taking the lead for once. So I would give my hats off to you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been it's been really cool, really cool, and I think that it's going to keep getting better. And I hope they they I hope they want me to come back. What's been the most unexpected thing in the filming process during Million Dollar Listing? Unexpected. Um, I think what's unexpected about it is that even if you are being your natural true self, there's a lot of energy that goes into, into the, into the filming process. You know, I, I think that no matter what you have to put a lot of energy into the camera because the camera likes to see energy. The camera doesn't like to see people just, you know, being boring. So I found that to be the hardest thing was that you finished three, you know, or four hours of filming and then you go back to everything else that you're working on and, you know, you're tired. Like, you know, it's hard. You're, you're super focused. You're in this, you're in this, you know, you're, and, and these are all real clients and it's all real stories. Um, but there's something heightened about being in front of a camera, even if you forget the cameras are there. So I, I just found it to be more of just a physical toll than I was expecting. And it was a lot more tiring than I thought. Is there a listing you've sold that's been most meaning to you thus far? The listing I sold at 155 Franklin was a really big full circle moment for me on the show. Um, you know, I had been working on that property and renting it out over the years. I sold it to my, to my clients. Um, and then I also you know, I, I sold it to them in 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. And then, and then, you know, I rented it out to various clients over the years. And then we just sold it um, last month for 
for $10 million. And we actually did a scene about it on the show. And then it ended up selling after we wrapped for the season. So that was really exciting. Incredible. So I wanted to ask about your hiring process for your team. Is there something that you look for when hiring for a role? You know, we have, uh, how how do you say it? Like we have, you know, kind of pinnacle, pinnacle ideas that we like to have for, you know, grit and perseverance and being hardworking and, you know, embracing innovation and change and all that. But the other thing that we do for all of the hires right now is we do do personality profiling because uh, what I've found in this position of actually being a team leader, which is, you know, I've been a team leader for less than a year. I started my team in February of 2000 of 2021. So I am still learning a lot. And I can tell you that what I've learned is that you need to personality profile and you need to figure out what personalities need to do certain jobs and not just the people that you love and like and want to have around because it's, you know, when things get tough and someone's not the right fit for a position, it's really, it, it's really difficult because then you're left high and dry because the people who you put into positions that are ultimately not a really good personality fit, because that's just not who they are. Mm-hmm. Eventually it just doesn't work out. And so for all of the operations positions that we've hired, we've really been careful um, with making sure that they were the right fit. And that's made us have much more longevity with mm-hmm. the um, you know, our, our infrastructure team. And then with the agents on the team, we have, you know, it's, it's really about experience now. I mean, I need people who have experience, who are, who hustle, who are hardworking. And then the other thing that's really important with, with that part of it is also that they're a culture fit from the, from the perspective of getting along with other people on the team. So it's not, it's not a culture fit. Like we're trying to talk about some sort of cultural bias. It's just a culture fit of, you know, being able to hang with the team because, you know, it's, it's a close knit group of people we're all throwing business back and forth to each other. And it's something that, you know, you want to make sure that everybody's getting along. What's been the biggest takeaway from starting your own team? Well, there's two different ways to start a team. One way is you create as much revenue as humanly possible. And then you, and then you hire, you know, basic support to just leverage and, you know, kind of be an ex- more, you know, do more yourself. And then there's the other way, which has now become much more in fashion, which is coming up with these infrastructures, you know, in order to leverage yourself and have, you know, more of an assembly line to the process. So, you know, you have a transaction manager that handles just the transactions. You have marketing somebody that handles just marketing and, 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 and you kind of divvy everything up. And I think that for me, what I've realized is that there's no way of getting away from there being real estate agents on the team who really are truly real estate agents who know what they're doing and have experience in the, in the industry. But then the other thing that's super important is taking the time to put your systems into place. And it's something that I really poo-pooed over the years. I was like, can't this all just fall into place and just get figured out? And why do we have to set up a real infrastructure? Because isn't this just going to figure itself out with, you know, who's productive and who's not? But it really doesn't. And I did take a step back. And for the first three to four months of having my team, I focused more on building out the infrastructure and less on revenue. And, you know, it's it's what it is. And I'm really glad I spent the time on it because now things are really happening and the revenue is really coming in and we have the infrastructure for it. Whereas if we didn't, I think I would have felt so out of control 
that it would have really stifled the growth of the team um, from a financial perspective. Do you have some tips on presenting yourself in terms of sales, real estate, or in general business? I personally think that that physical presentation is really, really important. I spend a lot of time on making sure that even if I don't have my hair done or if I'm doing my own makeup, that I look, you know, put together presentable pressed. I think pressing your clothes and having a couple of looks that have been vetted by somebody who's a professional, maybe like a stylist or somebody who works in fashion or, or just to make sure that you have a couple of looks that really are polished that you can go into any level or any room wearing them, I think is really, really important. Um, and, and, and so the other thing that, that I found is super important with presentation is I just recently read a book called uh, Modern Etiquette Made Easy by, I think it's Maya, her, it's Maya something, I can't remember her last name. And it was all of these etiquette points of how to talk to people and, and how to handle social situations. And truthfully, etiquette is something that's really lost on our generation. I'm, I'm a millennial and it's super important to think about etiquette. And if you feel like you weren't, even if you were brought up in a family where they focused on manners, there's, it's never too late to brush up on your manners and, and how you can make people feel good when they're around you by that extra level of, of having, you know, a nice presentation and, and etiquette. How important would you say financial literacy is when it comes to real estate? I can tell you, I went into real estate with absolutely no financial literacy, and I've learned a lot over the years. Um, it would be great if you have an understanding of, of money and how all that works, because that's a lot of real estate is understanding everything from borrowing to buying and selling um, you know, assets, inflation, you know, net worth, debt, all of that is a really big part of real estate. So I would say, yes, that would, that's something that's important. If you could give a piece of advice to a teenager college version of yourself, what would you tell her? I would probably get some more coaching at a young age around thinking into the future and making a plan for my future. Um, and revisiting it yearly um, and thinking really big picture about it and thinking really big. And even if each year you look back and things slightly adjust and aren't like, you know, and, and, and aren't like, you know, always the trajectory that you had expected or don't stay in line with your actual goals, that's okay. But the thing I realized when I got into the business and started doing really well was that the years just go by and being a broker is a very transactional job. And if you want to try to get to a point where you're not as transactional and you get to think bigger picture about what you're doing and what you're working on and what your goals are and what the future is for you so that you don't just feel like you spent your whole life, maybe doing the same thing over and over again, maybe just making more money. Oh, you know, and try to work on some other levels of fulfillment. Um, I think that's, that's the best for like, Oh, for also like overall happiness for people. What are your future goals in real estate and personal life? So my goals in real estate, you know, I have a team. I, you know, I really wanted to do 2 million in our gross commissions in 2022, 2021, you know, we are 
hopefully going to hit that, you know, 80 to $90 million mark, which, which I think is really possible. Um, and then, you know, going forward, we want to expand into other markets. Um, we're really interested in Westchester and um, Connecticut. And then, you know, there's always this conversation about whether, you know, we should expand to the Hamptons or not, um, which clearly is kind of, it, it always seems like a no brainer because there's so many New Yorkers that come from Hamptons um, into the city. So that's something that we're considering. Um, but I, I am from Westchester. And so that's a little more appealing to me, you know, that Westchester Greenwich, yeah. uh, rye, you know, all that, that whole area is more interesting to me. And then, you know, from a personal branding perspective, I have a book proposal that I'm hoping to get published. Um, so we're hoping, I'm hoping to get a, you know, a book deal. So I'm just putting that out there and hopefully that's going to happen and, um, and, and do some more speaking engagements, you know, in front of larger audiences about, you know, kind of my story and what I've been working on over the years. Your story is amazing. And Kirsten, thank you again for being on CO Covered. It was great to learn about real estate and your experience in it. And it was just wonderful to talk to you today. Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.